Welcome to the Denverse. I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. And we actually were planning to record an episode a couple of weeks ago when all of the leagues shut down after the shooting in Wisconsin. And we got to recording, started talking, and decided we didn't want to make that episode because we didn't feel like we had anything productive to add to the conversation that was a lot of yelling back and forth. Yeah. Well, and like we weren't going to be yelling at each other, and it's actually a shame because it was a really good combo that we had, just like two men sitting on a patio talking about <laughs> life and things. But it's a, it was just tough thinking, like, we're dudes who love sports, and we're dudes who like really care about politics. And I think we believe that sports can be political, but kind of we're like, all right, but how are we contributing anything more than the talking heads? And that's where... I think we just grew as humans with our conversation, but it was not for the ears of the public. And, I mean, we're both frustrated with the lack of progress that continues to happen, and we want to see change, and we support, I think, especially any measure that is helping propel that change, like the voting measures and, like, that sort of thing. Like, that's that's where we are, where it's, like, protest, and then, like, yeah. what's next? And, uh, like, I'm still a petty fan in ways, too. Because, I mean, we both have gone through several of the filters of people like, ah, it's gotten too political or they're not doing enough, so I'm not watching sports. Like, we still watch sports. But I found it mad interesting because Thursday night was the opening of the NFL season with Kansas City and Houston. And they did... Uh, There's <laughs> a lot going on, there was There was so much going on. Um, but essentially, the what... 15,000 fans that were allowed in the stadium. Yeah. Of that group, some people booed a unity thing that the it Chiefs was and just Texans everyone did. lining up and linking arms like it wasn't anything worth booing. Yeah, it w- it was so odd to then have boos for that. Um and I think we could talk endlessly about like the complacency of um America, white supremacy, the middle class, blah, blah, blah. But for me, just as a petty fan, I'm like, dang, Kansas City, y'all look bad, and I'm happy for it. Yeah, as the top of the AFC West, anything to make them look bad, I'm okay with yeah. it. What's well, same, like, I don't want to jump ahead, but with, like, the Nuggets and Marcus Morris, who's become a villain um, in the playoffs, it's – Harder to hate on someone when, like, education reform is on the back of his jersey. It's like, you scumbag. I agree. Education reform. <laughs> Appreciate that. Turn around. We don't <laughs> want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> just your stupid face and your regular jersey number. So I guess let's start with the Nuggets. Um, I was pretty sure that when we were recording this on Saturday, we would be re- recording a recap of the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But somehow they pulled themselves together and were able to win game Five, and yep. now they get to go to a game six, and they've won four elimination games in a row. Uh, it's been a wild ride, and mm-hmm. here we are waiting for a game six. Yeah, man, and it's uh, – I believe the Nuggets have overachieved already. Um, last year, first time back into the playoffs, made it all the way to game seven of the semifinals. It will be – Pretty um, surprising if they make it to Game 7 in this series versus the Clippers, a fully healthy, like, working close to full cylinders Clippers team. Um, but I'm I'm happy for the team that they've 
experienced so much adversity. They had a mediocre bubble regular season. Well, actually, they had a mediocre, like, January, February, March uh, in the regular regular season. Then the bubble regular season didn't have much confidence, and it was super up and down with the Utah series, but they're still playing basketball. And um, for that, I look at it as a full um, trajectory-wise win. Hey, Cricket. Cricket agrees. Yeah. And I think one thing that has been continually to be continue to be frustrating, and if we would have recorded after the Utah series, we would have said, Jamal Murray has arrived. He will consistently give you big minutes. And then we come back into this series, and he's disappeared over the course of the series. He hasn't had one game where he's taken it over. He had some big shots in game five, but we haven't seen Jamal Murray – superstar that we saw for three games in the Utah series. Yeah, we haven't. But And I think, like, the Utah series, he still had his ups and downs. I mean, it was like 36, 12, 14, 50, 50. Um, so yeah, that's, it's still going to be a question with him. But I don't know what point guard in the league – would look good versus this Clippers team mm-hmm. because one, he doesn't get to have rhythm of like a single defender. He has Pat Bev and his crackhead defense, which you can hate on him as much as you want. It's really effective. And then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So you have like a rotation of three of some of the best perimeter defenders shutting him down. I think what he's, We've always, like, had to worry about him besides, like, his consistency shooting is, like, is he a true point guard? And the ability to recognize when they're blitzing him and double-teaming him is how to get the ball out of his hands and to an open look. He's done better at that. I think he's averaging, like, six to seven assists per game in this Mm -hmm. series. And I think that, for me, that's what, if they were to lose game six – that's what I'll take away as a big positive towards his game. But I think even in the game, game five, they were more stable when Monte Morris was in the game with Murray. Like, it's yeah. still, as good as he is, he's still not as good as a regular point guard, which has been interesting to watch and frustrating at times when, like a lot of Malone's lineups, you're just like, you know what's going to work here and you're not doing it. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was... which pause on that i will say that i was yelling at him to take michael porter jr out for the last five minutes of the game and then michael porter jr ended up hitting the last three of the game and the last four free throws the last seven points so i'm not saying that i have all the answers and no that worked out for him but uh it's been perplexing and frustrating through a lot of this series well and I'll, i am a malone apologist more than many and i was certainly frustrated game four when the Nuggets tied it up at like 48-48 after a really terrible start to the game. And then the first sub they had was not Michael Porter Jr., someone who could maybe help build a lead, but he put in Torrey Craig. And you're not going to like shut down Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You can just like contain them. But if you're tied and you have like offensive momentum, you don't put Torrey Craig in the game. So I still frustrated with Malone, but I liked like we've had to face the teams had to face adversity in several ways. Michael Porter Jr. has brought on a lot of that with its COVID denial, um, 
or standing for the anthem or agreeing to do it and then complaining about playing time or plays given to him. I liked that Malone gave him confidence by keeping him in. And he proved him right at that in that instance. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was one. Uh, his play of Millsap and Craig has been up and down at times. Craig, for the series before the game last night, was a huge negative on the floor. Whenever he was on the floor, like his negative on the floor was much higher, especially when defending Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Um, Paul Millsap, again, has given some good minutes, but has been a weight a lot more times than an elevator. Yeah. Um, he finally went with the Jokic-Millsap or the Jokic uh, Plumley lineup for a little bit, and it worked a little bit other than foul trouble. Um, so he is experimenting a little more, uh, especially with lineups. I think, you know, Porter's frustration, which I think we all agree with and he probably shouldn't have said, is that the Nuggets' offense doesn't move. It does the same thing over and over again, and it's not it's not putting your players in the best position to win when you have – the most dynamic passer in the game as your center and the person the ball goes through, you want it to be an active offense and Malone just refuses to do that. Yeah. And that's, I realize that I don't, I can't read offensive offenses and defenses really well as a fan, but you can tell (laughs) when you're just running a two man pick and roll game and it works better than most matchups in the league. Like, there's not too many teams who can run two players as effectively in the fourth, and everyone knows it's going to happen and still be able to pull off shots. But it, the Nuggets have been a team of depth for the last, the last several years, and I know playoffs, you shrink the uh, lineups. It was frustrating, and I think if Porter Jr. is going to be on the court, he's not going to be on the court for defense. So give him shots. And the last two games, he actually didn't have that many, even though he really made the most of his shots and mm-hmm. free throws um, last night. I think one thing that we haven't, that no one has really talked about because it happened before the shutdown was how bad of a trade the Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Vanderbilt trade ended up being for the Nuggets. Big oof. Like, thinking about this team and how much better it would have been to have more options given that they have shortened the bench so much and just not been able to shoot, where you have two guys, Wancho, who struggled all of last year, and Beasley, who did come in and win games for you. Um, That has been something that we haven't really talked about, but probably they deserve more criticism for getting nothing back from that trade. Well, they still have um, the Houston Rockets' first-round pick, which is going to be like late 20s at this point. I don't think that that matters. Yeah, we look at it. The impetus was that Malik Beasley was probably not going to re-sign with the Nuggets, so traded him kind of prematurely to try to recoup something. But it was for, I think of all the dudes who had like showed up for a second. Um, uh, what was his? Shabazz Napier, who never played a game um, with the Nuggets. Jordan D- McRae. Diop's the only one that stayed, right? Yeah. Who? I mean, he's like young dude who could become like a rotational big at some point. Um, but y- you're absolutely right. Like nothing – when they got rid of Jordan McRae, who was supposed to be like a pretty decent um, slashing three-shooting uh, guard forward, 
They traded him very quickly, and so now we have Troy Daniels on the team, who should be a three dude, but he's there's no one that the Nuggets traded for who could take the place of an injured Will Barton. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, really looking at the second unit, there's no one who first has like the instinct to score and then the actual tools to do so. Yeah, and I mean, I know that it's not – there was no way to predict what happened. And so we can't – you know, from that standpoint, it made sense sort of. But looking like this still could have happened in the playoffs. We could have lost Barton and Harris – in the playoffs, no one thought they were healthy guys that this would never happen to. Like, I do think in hindsight, it didn't hurt them at all to keep Beasley, given how little they got back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that I thought about, and this is going further. Whenever the Nuggets exit the bubble, maybe as champions, probably not. That's weird because, like, because the league ratings, I'm actually kind of hoping that Clippers, Lakers – um gets all of the media focus. But we have three-ish point guards on the roster right now. Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, and then P.J. Dozier. Is there any scenario where trading up with the um, first-round pick that they have from Houston, packaging that with like one of Monte Morris or P.J. Dozier makes sense? To get a point guard? To get a point guard, a, a, another ball-handling guard. Like, same f- vein of a Will Barton who, like, may be hurt for longer. I'm thinking about – I don't think Monte Morris would re-sign with the Nuggets to be part of the bench. He's good enough to be a point guard on a bad team for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking, like, okay, we've played this game of depth for so long, and it's – I mean, gotten the Nuggets to the semifinals, but it's not going to take them to the next level. So I'm trying to think, who are some pieces who have been all right for the Nuggets who aren't part of the long-term plan? Who do you think won't be on the roster next season? Yeah, I mean, I think Morris obviously is probably the biggest one where you could see him leaving. I don't remember. Is he a restricted free agent? I feel like something's going on with his contract this year. I think he would be a restricted free agent. Um so I think that that's an option. They're going to have to figure out a backup center because Bull Bull can't be your backup center next year. Um, and Plumlee's probably leaving. Yeah. Uh, unless he wants to sign a, a small deal. Same with Millsap. Unless Millsap wants to come back on like a veteran minimum, there's yeah. no reason to bring him back. But then you're going to have to have another power forward. So they've actually got some holes, I think, even worse than the guard problem right now. Mm, true. Well, well, Noah Vonley, he's the other one who somehow ended up on the team, and I'm not sure whose trade he was a part of or not. Um, but there's this with Keita Bates-Diop, Noah Vonley, I'll throw in Troy Daniels, but I don't think he's part of, like, dudes who have potential to feel, fill gaps later. Mm-hmm. I think I would like to see Noah Vonley because he's – He's a backup center who can stretch the floor unlike Plumley, but of course Plumley and he showed it in this playoffs that he is he can be a ball handler and um he had like that a really beautiful dish to Monte Morris um looked like a hockey assist. Yeah. And an alley-oop to Porter like he's had a couple of good plays. Yeah. And it seems of like the chemistry that they talk about the Nuggets may not have 
Porter and Plumley seem to vibe really well. I almost want to keep Plumley just to keep Porter happy. But um yes, yeah, Plumley is he's got a lot of weaknesses, but I think he's overcome some of those <laughs> his weakness being he can't score the basketball <laughs> very well. But he fits really well when he's playing his game. He's the type of dude, like, if he has more than a second to think about what he's doing, then he's probably going to make a mistake. But if mm-hmm. the team is flowing, he looks great. And so now I think I would want to keep him over anyone else. Like, Gary Harris has come back to some defensive form and can hit a couple of reliable shots. But, yeah, the face of the team is going to ch- change. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – and there's n- no money because they're going to put – they don't they haven't negotiated yet what the salary cap is going to be for next yeah. year. They're going to have to move back the draft and free agency for that. But, um, I mean, there's a lot to try to figure out, and it's something that's so interesting. The NHL draft and free agency is less than a month away. So the face – like how the abs look in a month could be completely different, yeah. which is not what we're used to when a season ends. Unless you win the championship, you're, there's space between the losing and all of the like shuffling pieces around, which we've seen Sackick do in the last couple of years. So it's going to be quick for the NBA too because you know they could start as early as December 1st. I think realistically it's Christmas, but probably later. But they've got a lot to figure out too. If they start in, if the NBA resumes in December at some point. Does that just mean that the season is always going to start in December and go through to September now? Is that So I think there are two ways to do it. Both the NBA and the NHL have realized there's this gap in the schedule where baseball's kind of like died off and football hasn't really taken on yet where they could move the playoffs. So I think either the NBA or the NHL will eventually move or both will move to like a December to like September uh, start because like because America focuses so much on football and college football the ratings go up a lot attendance goes up a lot after the new year Uh and so this is something they need to think about Um, they could also just have another shortened off season next year or you know remember the lockout where they were playing like three three and four days they could be doing that yeah okay that's it's almost just because it's the way things I've been overwhelmed with sports yeah. lately. Um, but I think it would be cool if opening day for the NBA was Christmas because that's always when – I mean, I think for you and I, we do get psyched for mid-October basketball. But for so many people, yeah, it doesn't start registering until after football has died down. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the perfect time. College football is basically done. Like, there's an argument that you start December 1st because – you just have bowl games for college football. But, yeah, Christmas would be the ideal start for the NBA. And it would be more ideal if it was a Christmas start, 70-game season, and just, like, you know, compress it a little bit because, like, the season's too long. But that's probably too radical. You know what we're also losing out on? That Thanksgiving tournament we were supposed to get in the NBA where they were just going to, like, take that break. Do you remember that? I heard, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was the beginning of the season tournament, not – Thanksgiving, but they were going to basically do an like NCAA style tournament after a round robin, and they were going to have a winner to mark the 75th anniversary of the NBA. And now we're just like sitting here with. I think with 
from the boycott of games to players breaking quarantine and everything, I'm, I feel that Adam Silver has enough on his plate where he's just like, let's just get through this and then reset. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll have more to say about the Nuggets after all of this. Mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche's season came to an end in a game seven. They also got down three to one, brought it back to the seventh game, and then lost in the seventh game in overtime. They had a lead in the third period. It was very reminiscent of the 2014 loss where they had like four leads against the Minnesota Wild and lost in overtime. Um, the big difference, of course, being that the Avs were very hurt uh, by the time we got to game seven where they had lost both of their goaltenders, their captain, uh, Giannis Donskoy and Calvert, who are like playoff guys. They're like the grit guys for the Avalanche, lost both of them. Zadorov broke his arm. Johnson was out. It was a disaster. Yeah. Um, and so it was disappointing, especially because they rallied back. Like, imagine how you'd feel if the Nuggets had lost to Utah after getting back to a game seven. Like, it's very disappointing. Yeah. Um, and when it was close to the way it could have been for the Nuggets, it was like you had it in hand and then fumbled at the very end yeah. um, to lose it. It was – that was a – Exciting game to watch, but you couldn't have had too much expectations because you had an emergency goalie almost. Well, not an emergency, but. Yeah, but, I mean, he, you know, he was only in the bubble in case some, like, tragedy struck and tragedy <laughs> struck. And he did he did pretty well. Like, it definitely wasn't his fault they lost the game, but they just. Too many opportunities slipped by. Again, they came up against a physical team in Dallas who which was the same problem as they had against the Sharks, and that's why they got people like Don Scoy and Kadri because they were supposed to help with this. But you lose three of your power forwards like Landeskog, Don Scoy, and Calvert, and it just puts you in a bad spot. And I think, you know, McKinnon said, and I think for the most part I agree, everyone should come back. I think Sidorov may have made the case that he might make the team now, mm-hmm. and they figure some things out. But it's it was a frustrating loss as much as it could be given that they were in a bubble and uh, expectations were high. Well, it's kind of like with Jamal Murray, it's just funny because now NBA media is like trying to push him as a superstar. They they put, they have like full commercials, nuggets, clippers, and it's just Jamal Murray. It's crazy. Um, But there's moments in playoffs, but especially I think the bubble with the added spotlight is, where like legends get made and no matter who is healthy for the team if you have Nathan McKinnon you feel like they're not only do you have a fighting chance it's like you should be able to pull it out and that was really disappointing to see because now I think he's 0-3 in game sevens yeah and the abs are have lost their last five game sevens going back to 2002 when they lost seven nothing to the Red Wings in (laughs) game seven of the 2002 Western Conference Finals um, it's been a rough ride. Um, and this was, I ranked them like on Twitter and this was the least painful of the five losses because they were so hurt. Uh-huh. Um, it was the bubble year, like all of these things, but like, and they were down three, one and came back, but it, it is hard. And it's, I mean, I think that we've sort of just been dealing with like, how do you manage all of these expectations where you're thrust back in there? Like, I think it's been a hard thing. Like, Last week was exhausting between the Avs losing, the Nuggets getting down 3-1, the Rockies lost that game 22-5. to 
Um, I think it was worse than that. I don't even remember. <laughs> it might have been 25 to 3, but at that point. Yeah, 25 to 3. And you're just like, and then Von Miller. And then Von Miller. Breaks his ankle and is out for the season. When it was weird, it's not even like an ankle. It's like his tendon yeah. jumped to the other side of his leg or something. Ugh. That was, uh, you just sent me a crying meme, um, and I knew that's what it was about. Yeah, I'm my fantasy football um, app sends me so many notifications that I don't even register them, but this one, like, buzzed in a way that I was like, oh, what? And then sure enough. Yeah, I mean, I think that that – the Broncos, uh, we're recording this on Saturday, play the late game on Monday night um, in front of no fans at the Broncos stadium. No fans. No fans. Um they're going to have fans for game three, Tom Brady returning to Denver, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, 5,700 fans. Uh, Quinn and I have not been asked to work that game. <laughs> um, but it uh, it was disappointing. It's, it's hard. I was texting with a friend today because Sutton also had some weird shoulder thing that basically makes it hard to catch ball, like put his hand over his head, which is a bad injury if you're a wide receiver. And I was like – there were three guys that you needed to have strong starts. Drew Locke, Sutton, and Von Miller. And one of them is out for the year, we think. Uh, the other one, we're not sure if he can catch, even if he plays. And yeah. then Drew Just Locke. Just a decoy, yeah. yeah. And in, well, like directly, <laughs> Sutton harms Drew Locke's ability to play to his potential. But then also... A young quarterback with a great defense is – that's just the best-case scenario because um, last few years as the defense has not has struggled somewhat. Not having great field position to start has hurt a lot of the unproven offenses. And so it's just – it's a reminder of, like, caring about sports is really hard. It was so exciting to get it back, but now you have to deal with – all of the, not even nuances, the the ways that tragedy can strike, but it's certainly like the soul, heart and soul of your team and Von Miller going down for the season. It just makes it that much harder to be enthusiastic. Yeah, and they have Tennessee, who made it to the AFC Championship on Monday night. Then they go to Pittsburgh, and then they have Tampa Bay, and they've got to find a way to win one of those three games. Like, they can't start 0-3. No. Oh, the hot takes – Three weeks from now, if they I go know. down 0-3. And, and they're starting a rookie center who has never seen an NFL preseason snap. Their line has been hobbled together again with Garrett Bowles still as an option on the line, on the offensive line. They got rid of Chris Harris Jr. There's some like questions about who's actually going to play well in the backfield and who's going to be healthy. Like this team, it's sort of like how we've talked about the Rockies like, the last couple of years. If you trust the hype of the organization, they're going to compete for a playoff spot. But you have to trust them, especially because we haven't seen anything in the preseason. We have no real reason to trust them, <laughs> given how the last – they haven't made the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl. Like, this is – this could be a really, really long stretch where we have no college football in the state. We barely have any high school football in the state. The Nuggets and Avs are going to be done. The Rockies are – on their road, even if they somehow make the playoffs, will be done in three weeks. Yeah. It's just uh, – it, it could be a really long fall. It 
it's going to be a long fall <laughs> well without sp- the misery of sports. But I don't know. I, I wish the listeners could have seen your face. Like, we have no reason to trust the organization. It was, it was beautiful theater. Um, but because I've had s- such low expectations of the team, I feel like I'm judging them with caution. But I will um, give John Elway and the front office props because they made moves. They went out and tried to certainly make the defense better. I think Jarrell Casey is going to be a beast, and it's going to hurt my heart to think about how well that front seven could have been if Vaughn was healthy. Um, and Chubb's going to be on a, a downs restriction to start the season. Yes, Chubb's, Chubb will. But I feel at some point, I'm I'm not going into the season with any expectations. That's how watching the Nuggets has be- been so um, tolerable for me, is that I didn't expect anything to come out of it. Um, but I, th- I think the team is, they kind of changed the philosophy in drafting. Like they started going after team captains and um, high-character guys. And if you look at um, what's the starting one of the starting linemen, rookies for Tennessee, just uh, got a DUI after getting COVID twice, getting busted at a party, a whole bunch of stuff. He was their number one pick. He was their, their number one pick. Um, and our number one pick – they say he's the most pro-ready wide receiver. So uh, there's there's enough to look at on it as individual players to be excited about this season if you don't expect them to go to the playoffs. I just want to see individually um, Jerry Judy have a good season, keep Sutton out as long as necessary, but I think with both wide receivers healthy, that's going to be an exciting um, tandem and um, I w- hope can still hope that Philip Lindsay plays well, even though now he's sharing reps with Melvin Gordon. Individually, there's a lot of players that I can be a fan of for mm-hmm. the team, and that's how I can be less than pessimistic or more than pessimistic. Yeah, I mean, basically by the end of the year, we need to know that Drew Locke is the starting quarterback for the next few years. Like that – Yeah. That's like – if nothing else comes out of it, that has to be apparent because if we're going into the draft next year trying to figure out if we're getting another quarterback, like it's been a a failure. Yeah, I didn't even mention Drew Locke because um, I have so much blind confidence that he will be good because he's just so damn likable. Like I'd never rooted for Case <laughs> Keenum. I sort of rooted for uh, Chad Kelly, but that was for the memes. Drew Locke deserves high praise and expectations. Remember when you thought Brandon Allen was going to be the franchise quarterback? You bring that up to (laughs) I I didn't think that he was going to be the franchise quarterback. He just showed me more hope than any of the other players. I'm pretty sure there's a podcast somewhere. I could go back and find the quote where you're like, maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the guy is the most confidence (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> that we've had. Did I did I say anything about Joe Flacco? No. No. Trevor Simeon? No. I think I had there's maybe one podcast where I was really hopeful for um oh, Osweiler. What is his first name? Brock. Brock. I was gonna say Brad. I knew that wasn't <laughs> right. Um 
But I mean, it's been a, it has been an amazing cast of characters as quarterback. But Drew Locke is the one dude that I want to hope for. So getting to just like not watch the Broncos, but watch Drew Locke, how he handles himself, even like throws a pick. Has, does he keep his head up? Is he ready to get back in there? Like those are the small like micro things that I'm excited for this season. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that, and I think that yeah, Drew Lock is very likable, which is a nice a nice change. Um, it will be interesting. I mean, just as you say, I have no idea what the game is going to look like on Monday since we haven't seen any preseason. It's just been very weird. I mean, college football they're canceling games left and right. Uh, they are wearing bracelets. Have you seen the bracelets that the NFL players are wearing? Like the social distance yeah, bracelets? Yeah, so they'll be able to check everyone that they've been around. So uh, we'll see how that works for, like, tracking the <laughs> tracking the COVID. Uh, I wonder, when, is Baker May uh, – no, Gardner Minshew, like, far and away most likely quarterback to be quarantined first? Like, is there anyone even close to Gardner Minshew with Jacksonville that you could see, like, getting COVID? Well, I mean, he has one, he's a meme, the mustache in Florida. I mean, I love him. I want (laughs) Jacksonville to actually be, I want him to Tim Tebow the Jacksonville Jaguars this year and like will them to victory because he is so entertaining, but also just not very good. Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah. I think Kirk Cousins is um, the like favorite to get quarantined um but i mean he's got Minshew has jacksonville which i feel is like the florida of florida especially mm-hmm. so your money's good on either of those bets i feel so before we go i just want to do bring my i don't feel like it's even very a hot take about the colorado rockies oh yes uh there are two games out of the playoffs their run differential is just like terrible it's like minus 25 or worse uh, they had a grand slam last night, walk-off grand slams. I do not want to see the Rockies make the playoffs. I am actively rooting against them making the playoffs because they are not a good team. They last weekend beat the Dodgers in a three-game series. If they make the playoffs, the most likely matchup is a three-game series in L.A. There is a chance they win that series, and then it just like absolves how bad this team is. And I am just like, I do not – it is not good for the health of this franchise going forward to make the playoffs and even have a chance. And, it like, it shouldn't happen. The Dodgers are much better, but it could happen. And I do not think that that's a chance worth taking with the Rockies in this bubble year. I agree. A Rockies playoff run, however short that probably would be, would not bring me the joy because I've just watched too many games – to know that team is not a playoff team. Like, a, the walk-off was super cool last night. And I I don't ever remember a Rockies Grand Slam. Like, Slam Diego has, like, five this season. But, yeah, I'm, I have not been sold on anyone, like, from all the dudes that they've been bringing in. In, like, I've not been a David Dahl or Ryan McMahon believer. I really wanted to. Um, but... Yeah, the the team sucking real bad will do more for future greatness. And that's where it's like, should we keep Arenado? He's had a down year, and it really just seems like he's not engaged at all. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be hard to move him because no one – I mean, 
this is the problem with all the sports. No one has any money right now. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think my thought is like, we probably, we need to get rid of Bridich as fast as possible. There was some stat that I saw where I think it was Arenado, Blackman, Story, LeMayhew are like plus 46 under Breidich as far as wins above replacement players. So better than average. Uh The rest of the team is minus five. Like everyone else on the team is a minus five, which is really bad. They, the stat I was looking at had other comparisons where they would take like the best players from Arizona. And even the worst players from Arizona would be like plus 26. Like it's not even close how bad he has been with the management of this roster. Well, and that's only story was like brought in under Breidich. Yeah. Everyone else was before Breidich and in some cases stupidly let go for the same money you're paying Daniel Murphy for DJ LeMahieu, who has been an MVP candidate at times in the American League with his play. Yeah, dude. You know, this is the hottest take for um, Rocky's pessimism. But I think Arenado would look good in pinstripes. I'm not a Yankees fan. Maybe it's because I might be moving to New York that I... But, like, the Rockies seem better as a, like, Yankees farm team than they have been as standalones. And it's – yeah, I mean, Breidich absolutely has to go. Yeah, I just – I mean, and it's – he's not going anywhere. Like, I know this. Like, I know this intellectually. Like, it probably makes absolutely no difference if they – if the bottom falls out on this team. But it's just sad. It's weird that, like, all of this is going to be over at the end of September. Like, we're going to have no more – no matter what, that Colorado sports teams are going to be done unless the Nuggets go on some wild ride and make it to October 7th. That'd be so weird. I don't like – it's not a hot take. I'll take it happily. But if the Nuggets were to win a championship this season, like do you even think 20,000 people would be at the parade? Like how many people would make it to a Nuggets championship parade in fall 2020? Well, I don't know that they can have it. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people would. And like the thing that everyone wants to act like is like, it's just so easy for them to build on this success. And we know from 2009 that it is really hard to build on this success. Like, yes, I'm very hopeful about the future of the Nuggets, but you're two injuries away from this being the high, the, the high, high ceiling, yeah. Ugh. Like, you're a couple leg injuries away from this being it. And I think that that – like, that optimism, we should be optimistic. They have all the pieces, but, like, it's no guarantee the Nuggets ever win an NBA championship. No, it's no guarantee. And I don't – I NBA, more than anything, is, like, feels kind of, quote, unquote, rigged, where big markets are going to be – like, I'm not surprised Milwaukee – the bottom fell out with them because like who cares about Milwaukee if Giannis isn't on the team but the Nuggets I do have like I saw a tweet it was just like chronicling the last three seasons lost in overtime in game 82 next season came back and took it to game seven of the semifinals they're at game six of the semifinals this year they're young I think they're going to be a problem just if nothing else, I trust the front office in a way that I certainly don't with the Rockies and the question with the Broncos. Same with Fs. Like I feel the ship at least is fully put together as opposed to like the pieces of timber that the Rockies are floating on in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, them just having to give some other arm that has died a chance <laughs> in the bullpen. Like that is their whole strategy at this point. So, uh. well, we'll be back to cover it all at some point. I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. See ya.